0: All right, welcome back to another episode of Over the podcast where we ask the very important question, what's the absolute best way to do things we've already got a perfectly acceptable solution for? Uh, I am here today with Adam Wathin, um, and we're going to talk about forms, uh, or maybe not exactly forms, but we're going to start there. Adam I I said this about Aaron last uh last episode and I'm going to say it again today. I can't imagine that the you know few hundred people who listen to my podcast don't know who you are, but do you want to just uh, say a quick hi and in intro anyway?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Adam. Um if you know me for anything at this point, it's probably as the person who created Tailwind CSS. So that's kind of what I work on full-time. I uh, have a small team of people working on it where we make templates and uh ui components and and that sort of thing and put tons of work into the open source stuff too
0: awesome and yeah i mean part of the reason that i wanted to talk today is you just launched the 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 pre-release of catalyst which is your new kind of ui kit right yeah Mm -hmm. excited to have that kind of off the off the agenda i'm excited to have
1: it not just like building up behind closed doors for forever because um we started i mean i I initially put it on the calendar to start building like an initial prototype of it in like october 2022 okay and then we didn't really have time for it that cycle just kind of got busy with other stuff and then kept wanting to get to it and then finally like got into it super seriously more april in 2023 okay Uh, built out some prototypes and explored some design ideas and stuff like that. Then we had this like event in June where I kind of previewed it on stage. And then shortly after that, we deleted every single line of code and started again. (laughs) And um, then uh, basically every two months, because we run these two month work cycles here, Every set of two months, you know, we intended to get a release out at that time. Sure. So it's like, okay, we're going to get a release out by the um, yeah, end of August. And that didn't happen. Okay, well, we'll definitely get it out by the like, end of October. And then that didn't happen. And I was like, okay, we have to get this out in December, no matter what, because just as a small company, we just can't afford to spend all of the time of every person at the company on this for years on end there's other things that got to be done you know right so we did we did finally get a version of it out in december as you mentioned it's kind of like we're calling it like a developer preview development preview kind of like an early version it it, it it does have a bunch of stuff in there we started with a focus on like form elements and stuff sort of things that i think people really needed the most but we still have a lot of a lot of other stuff we'd like to get in there um but right now we're kind of like taking advantage of the fact that we got it out in december and sort of have you know released a little bit of that pressure and we're kind of circling back to some of the other things that we need to need to make some progress on and spend a couple months on those and and sure. then uh, get back into just like driving out new components for catalyst uh, it, it's going to be so much nicer just be in a state where it's like we can just do one component and release it one component, release it. One right. Part. Yeah. That makes sense. So, instead of where we were at where it's like, okay, we got to hit some minimum threshold of like releasability here. Right. And I think we are barely even at that point, but you know, just had to make the tough call to, uh, to just get something out there and, uh, <laughs> you know, have a bit of a, a clean slate. So, but I'm, I'm happy with, uh, where it's at so far. Um, Looking forward to putting some some more work into it soon, and uh, yeah, happy to chat about any of the things that you think are interesting.
0: Yeah, so here let me let me set the stage a little bit. The, just going back a little little ways, you know, I I've been a PHP developer for a long time, but it, I came to sort of the Laravel world relatively recently. I you know in the five dot era, mm-hmm. and you know prior prior to laravel we really you know we were just kind of all in-house everything was custom built and you know it was mostly just like php 3 php 4 code that i had written in the late 90s and early 2000s that like had ballooned out to to all the different places that it did but when i first sort of switched to laravel a thing that really surprised me was for all the things that Laravel offered, there was not a form builder. And I was just like, what is going on here? Like, mm-hmm. it just seems like this is such an incredibly all-encompassing framework. And, you know, my experience of web development is like, it's, it's all database formed. access yeah. and forms, right? You know, <laughs> tables, like, and tables
1: and forms. Tables right? and forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
0: the age old <laughs> saying. So, yeah. like, it just really surprised me. and And I later realized that that had changed, right? That there was yeah, there we used to have that,
1: it, I think in it was either
0: might have been Laravel 4, definitely Laravel 3, yeah. I feel like had
1: forms. I, I, yeah. I think it was
0: dropped in the five, o or five for the first five r- release, whatever that was. And I for some reason I didn't discover the Laravel Collective version yep. when we first uh-huh. started. But I did find your uh boot forms <laughs> package.
1: Boot forms.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And we, you know, we were using Bootstrap and BootForms was like oh great this is like perfect this is exactly what i'm looking for but i think either you had already
1: i definitely wouldn't be maintaining it anymore at that point okay yeah yeah yeah
0: so i was like well this is a great starting point i'm just gonna fork it and we're just gonna we're just gonna go from there and we did a decent amount of uh overhaul of boot forms mm-hmm. you know to kind of bring it up to the the, the modern laravel sort of feeling uh of API. I mean it was already pretty much there, but just like, you know, updated it to to match the modern framework. And we used boot forms for a year or two. But when Tailwind, you know, really took off, I feel mm-hmm. like this was all before like we switched to Tailwind, because we switched to Tailwind in 20, 2018 sometime in twenty eighteen. Yep. Pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty early on. And, you know, we were, we've been, uh, honestly, we, I'm, I am so relieved. We just removed our last Bootstrap code from the code base like three weeks ago. (laughs) Cool. So we've been running Tailwind and and Bootstrap in this weird, horrible, uh, custom configuration of everything, uh, for all these years. And that's, you know, it's just when you have a big application. Those are the things that you just takes have to a deal long with. time, yeah. If you yeah. want to
1: just kind of get things in a consistent state, for sure.
0: But um, you know, basically, when we when we decided that we were really going all in on Tailwind, BootForms started to really feel like the wrong solution, and that's when um, that's when I released the the package Air, which is you know essentially like a spiritual successor to BootForms in terms of its like APIs. Cool, but it's all really. You know, it's like Tailwind and Alpine focused. You know, it it provides a lot of like the conveniences around using, you know, well, all the default styling is Tailwind. And then like, it's just, it's more focused on, you know, sort of like a utility CSS mindset. And it has a lot of features that just meet our needs nowadays. And it's been great. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it seems like it's been it's been well received although i think that the era of form builders is maybe like a little bit past because there's so much focus on like different approaches to front end
1: mm-hmm. but i
0: still think a lot i mean a lot of people must be doing this we certainly write just straight up blade and and yeah laravel stuff all the time and like you know really don't don't dip into react unless we really need it and so, you know, Air's just been going along. We're in 2.0. It's been solid for us for years. But really when, when blade components came out, it was just like, okay, this is the way to write blade now. Like the XML sure. style syntax yep, yeah. just feels so much better. And I've been, I've just been thinking about, okay, air three. Like it, at some point in air, I just added essentially like a bunch of components that pretty much wrap the the existing like calls, method call yeah. 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 and just kind of like forward attributes to the to the function of the same name you know it's it's a mm-hmm. pretty naive approach but it, it's fine but it doesn't feel great i still use the the you know just echo approach mostly because that just feels more true to what air is right now and uh yeah so i've just been i've just been thinking a lot about what is like an xml Style, form building API look like, and so when you, you know, when you when I started to hear you talk about Catalyst, and particularly what really what really caught my attention was when you said part of that like tear down and rewrite was deciding to switch to individual components instead of like having a single form yeah. input component. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've been really struggling with because and i i wonder if maybe part of it is the difference between the scope of what air does versus catalyst because we're kind of like wrapping up a bunch of like server side stuff and client side stuff into one unit yeah but yeah i'm just really curious about that that particular decision and and the other decisions that you kind of made around the apis that you landed on and mm-hmm. um you know what your what you what you could see improving on further you know just that's that's sort of the starting point for me yeah so can you yeah. talk about like that decision to, to yeah. change that up
1: mm-hmm. yeah so when i first demoed it at uh Tailwind connect we did have these apis that were a bit more like sort of like one component that rendered multiple elements you know so yeah. you might have i think we had like a text field component and it had like a label prop and like a description prop and those would get rendered as like the all the right elements and you just get the whole thing as this one unit. And there's tons and tons of advantages to that, especially from like a technical perspective. Cause you do have to like jump through some hoops to make things work when you break things down a lot of the time. I think like, I'm trying to think how, if there was any other real nail in the coffin moments for that for me, but the big one was just, me and jonathan were working on this text field thing trying to come up with different situations where we're going to use it and different designs we want to be able to implement and i just like ran into this situation what we were doing actually is um we went through like tailwind ui and we looked at mm-hmm. all the form layouts and form related components and just we're trying to make sure can we build this one can we build this one can we build right. this one you know and just like going through the list and i think we found one I'll like see if i can find it quickly right here so make sure i'm not talking out of my ass but yeah actually you know what even like the very first one on the page we have this like username field and the username field is like narrower than like the about field that's underneath mm-hmm.
0: it.
1: and we just started wondering like okay well how would we build that i guess we could wrap our text field with like a div and just put a max width on that div. And that would like constrain the width of everything. But then I said to Jonathan, well, what if the text field had like a description, would you want the description to also be constrained? Right. Like, I don't think so. Like all we're really trying to do is like constrain the input as a way to signal to the user. Like this is about how long we expect the content in here to be. It's like when you have like a, Phone number field or like a CVC code field for a payments form or something, you know, like that's like an affordance that you can give people. It's just that width thing.
0: Yeah, I have definitely dealt with this, that this exact problem in like the Air APIs as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. So we're just trying to think like, okay, well, what are the different ways that we could solve that? Like using the existing API where everything's one big component, it quickly starts to feel like, okay, well, we could add a new prop, like input classes you know and here's the classes that like you can add to the input or we could just add classes to the class attribute that use like tailwinds arbitrary variance to basically like target the input inside of it and oh, constrain that's the width of yeah. that you know so that's something that we could do but then you kind of need to know what the element is that it's rendering and it's really not intuitive in catalyst because inputs aren't inputs they're spans with an input inside of them okay. and that's because um Inputs can't ha- don't have pseudo elements. There's no before and after element on, oh, on input okay. elements. And we need those to create like all the right shadows and stuff that we're trying to do. So instead we have to wrap it with a spin, put some shadows on the spin, add some pseudo elements to the spin, then put the input inside of it. So even if you did try to target like the input, you'd quickly see like, okay, the input got smaller, but the parent shadow is still full <laughs> width. You know, that's surprising. <laughs> right. So then, like, the alternative to that was, okay, well, what if we did just, like, give people all the individual components? So there's the input component is just the input. The label component is just the label. Description component is just the description. And, uh, yeah, ultimately, like, that just ended up feeling like it gave us the flexibility that we wanted like another situation that's kind of similar is you have like a select that takes like options as a prop as an array or something Mm -hmm. instead of like a list of child elements and that totally works but you lose that flexibility of like doing something in one option that's a little bit different than the others like say you're building like a list box and it's got like five options to choose from and you're building it as like a custom list box. You can actually style things custom. And one of the options is like new and wasn't there before. And you want, when someone opens the dropdown to see the list and see like a little new badge next to one of the items now, like try, try expressing that in like the array options format, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I guess we have to add like new as a boolean option to like every single one of these options and then like, <laughs> right. you know, decide whether to render that. And, and the the APIs just like grow and grow and grow to accommodate all these things. Whereas if you could have just like did what you wanted to do to that element directly, you wouldn't have needed to do that. You know?
0: I love that you bring that one up too, because that, that was like a, that was a outstanding issue that we had, like that someone had brought up, like how do we do option groups and like styling individual options? And honestly, I can't remember what, what solution we came up with, but it was just like you can't with sure. this with this
1: package yeah. right
0: now because yeah, we just accept an array.
1: Yeah. And yeah. you end up with lots of props too for like buttons like left add-on, right add on. Yeah. Yep. You know? When, whereas if you just like think about things as like a tree structure that you just build up with elements, it's like, well, if I want to put something At the beginning, i just, i put it at the beginning. (laughs) If I want to put something at the end, I just like put it at the end. So that was kind of like, yeah, we, we, we committed to going that route for, for those reasons, just for like maximum flexibility. And at first we were a little hesitant in some ways because it's like, is this going to feel verbose? Is this going to feel like a lot of typing? Is this going to feel like people have to do a lot of work to just like get something on the screen? But when we actually like did a side by side of like, okay, this is what I would have to write in vanilla HTML with all the tailwind classes and all that stuff, and this is what it would look like with components. It was still like, the same number of lines, but it still mm-hmm. just was very clear that it was an improvement, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, we went we went that route. Um, I can stop and answer any questions, uh, and there's more stuff I can talk about too. But uh, is there any? Do you have any thing? I guess that's like. What about this? What about that? You know. Well,
0: okay. Here's here's, I've I have a couple of thoughts. You know, one is I, you know, I I, all that resonates a lot, and and it it really does point at some of the places where the existing APIs that we have are are a little hard to work with. Mm -hmm. I think I think the one thing that I I was thinking about earlier today is like okay so in air you know this is what i was trying to get get at i think the scope is or the scope is different right because we're dealing with the entire request life cycle right if you if you submit a <clears throat> if you as you're filling out a, a form right with air it's a like rendering all your laravel error messages in yeah line so like whatever side, the name right? is
1: on the field it knows to kind of look that up in the session or or whatever to yeah find it's well it's doing
0: stuff. it's it's doing it both in sort of in both places right it's both looking at the like you know session errors if the form is being rendered and and mm-hmm. like you know dealing with old input and all that stuff yeah and then it's also doing client-side validation with your error messages as well so like We have we basically have like a a layer where you can either pass it a form request or just like an array of rules and and most of those rules we can actually do client side validation on as well. So we're like rendering we're conditionally rendering error messages on the client as you fill out the form and then like when you submit the form if there's like server side errors we're rendering those errors again on the client right so there's this there's a little bit more of an assumption that that you know you're going to have like this whole grouping of things like a label or like a, you know a whole group of elements that might have like an error state and may conditionally have an error message but you don't know when you're writing the markup whether that error message is going to be visible or not like it's it's context dependent so like at the very least instead of it being like a help block or something like that it'd be like a you know you know error placeholder or whatever you know like sure just just put this like if there are errors you render them here right and so there are things like that where i think when the form builder has more awareness of like the broader context and, and it's less like really UI focused that changes some of the, the um, considerations. I don't know that it changes it enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's tricky. I get what you're saying. Like you have just these things where like, obviously you can like hoist those concerns, like out to the call site where you're like building the form. But now it's that's like something you have to do every time yourself, right. Uh, instead of just having it like magically handled for you.
0: Did you ever consider just like, you know, you have the, whatever the field and the label and the input elements, but you also publish the, like a parent element that just does a default. Mm
1: -hmm. And that's kind of how we thought about the whole thing. Like, Oh, that was kind of like what we told ourselves in our head when we decided, okay, you know what? Like, I see the value in like the bigger components, but it seems like the smaller ones are definitely required right so let's do those first and think of those as like building blocks for anything bigger if we want to offer anything bigger and i i feel like there were times where there were where some things did kind of coexist i'm trying to think right now if we if we shipped anything like that so some things that changed so for example like The checkbox component used to accept like the label as the children. So you could just render like a checkbox with a label by just doing like checkbox and put the text inside of it. And but you could also just pass no children and just get like just the checkbox and then connect your own label to it if you needed to do like a custom style or something. Mm -hmm. but ultimately like we ended up just shipping it where like the checkbox just does one thing and I feel like there was probably a good technical reason for it but it also just kind of felt at the end of the day strange that like it did two different things you know right
0: well especially when everything else is so focused
1: yeah exactly it just felt like the apis were then kind of inconsistent like how come I don't need to use a label component every time I use a checkbox but I do for for everything else so I could still see a world where like We did that. And maybe we don't in Catalyst, but I did we did kind of like tell ourselves in our heads every time we ran into like a tricky decision, like a lot of time the answer was like, well, someone can always like wrap this up into the opinionated component that they reuse a ton of times. Right. And and even if that's just like a component that they're just using on one page, they might just like make it a little small little function at the top of the file. And you know, we're talking React land here. But um, then just like reuse it in that context and 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 then kind of be be done with it. So for us, because it's kind of like a UI kit, I did feel like we had to try and be careful not to be like, we don't want to be non-opinionated enough that it's like not opinionated. You know, the whole right. point of it is to be opinionated. Tailwind it's, is the thing that's not really opinionated when it comes to like what a form input should look like, you know? Right. Um, but also didn't want to be like, we also wanted to be careful. I, I'd rather someone have to like type a little, little bit more than like have to try and sort of like circumvent opinions that were like, baked right. in, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's an, an important sort of like distinction.
1: Yeah. Cause I feel like that type of frustration is like a more hostile type of frustration. A- absolutely. You know? <laughs> absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's basically the, uh, the final, uh, debate.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like don't make me have to undo things you did, you know, to, uh, to do what I want to do. Right. It's, it's, everything feels a little bit nicer if, it, if it's always just like additive, you know, versus like subtractive changes that you have to make to things.
0: Right. Um, yeah. One, um, cause that's, I think, I think what I'm leaning towards right now is, basically what you're talking about like uh there there'd be low level components and you could use them and they would be designed to work you know to to kind of like account for the different scenarios that they might be used in
1: but you might have to do a bit more wiring yourself compared to like if you
0: use yeah, big pieces but i think that i think that what i'm i'm leaning towards is also you know, essentially publishing like an input group component, right? Like a, yeah, and then, you know, the, the API decision that I'm still kind of like on the fence on is either the input group is just, it is what it is. And then if you want to change it, you just publish, you know, you just publish the views and you modify it however you want. Or, you know, with Laravel, there's the opportunity to do like named slots, right? So I'm thinking mm-hmm. that there may be a way to essentially have like, there's the input group component. And if you want to hijack the way the label is rendered, right? You could just sure. do X slot label, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of how view works, if I remember right too, right? There's like named slots, but the component can define like the default content of that slot. And if you provide something from the outside, it'll override it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with Vue. So okay. I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. So
1: if, if the Laravel one works that way, which I I bet it does, because I think it was very inspired by like a lot of the way Vue does things.
0: Yeah, it's not. You you have to kind of hack around it a little bit, but it's definitely possible. You know, I I, I explored mm-hmm. it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a cool idea. Like we could do that too. Really, like just like okay, the input isn't exactly like what I need in this case. Well, so let me just pass in the input. You know, right. Yeah, it's just like a default parameter that happens to be filled in for you by default. And yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it for sure.
0: And then it's like, okay, if that doesn't get me what I need, right? Cuz I in this particular case, I need the label to be on the bottom in the like actual <clears throat> structure of the DOM, right? For some for some reason I I need it or I need it to be you know, they need to be side by side. I need to do some crazy thing that is just outside yeah. of the context of what is configurable you always can drop down then to that lower level of just okay for this one use case i'm going to render the field yeah render the label and the help block you know however
1: yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's the important thing right like i I don't think like there's anything like inherently wrong with the idea of having these like bigger components that group things together i think the 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 thing to decide is like whether you solve customization concerns by just like throwing more props at the problem you know what i mean or whether you just say like if it's not right like here's what i made it with like do what you want use the pieces that are useful use the pieces that don't use the pieces that aren't like that feels like it's it's kind of like in a lot of ways similar to how laravel Philosophically, like how it handles a lot of things internally, where it just gives you a callback. You know what I mean? Where it's yep. like you're trying to configure something. Should this person be able to access this route or not? Like I could just have an ar- array with a bunch of rules and a bunch of stuff, or, or it's like, why don't you just tell me whether this person should right, be able to just like access it or yeah. not? I mean? yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it's a good- like a. Are you a Seinfeld fan? as much as Uh, I mean you can't not be a Seinfeld fan yeah I guess
1: I don't know if you remember the episode where Kramer has a new phone number and it's like very it's like one digit off of like the movie hotline people are always calling (laughs) to find out what times movies are playing and he answers the phone and he's like if you'd like to see you know death blow press two and here's like <laughs> some here's some like dial tone and he's like you selected and he gets it wrong every time because he has no idea what these dial tones are and at the end of the yes. call he's just like why don't you just tell me the name of the movie that you'd like to see you know? <laughs> that's how i kind of feel about the laravel apis you know so right
0: yeah yeah no i think that that's i i think finding that that um that like balance of let me give you some really nice sane defaults and Mm -hmm. in a lot of cases you can just you can just use these because that's the thing that i that's the thing that i worry about if we go too far down the other path like yes with select inputs right now it really sucks to not be able to customize an individual option right yeah but 99% 99% of the time I just want to pass an array of options, right? And Yeah, yeah. So do you make everyone suffer
1: 99% of the time to be able to do the thing 1% of the time? Like that's Right.
0: Yeah. So it feels like you could you could get the best of both worlds there where there's an options prop on the select input, right? And that yeah. just if that's there, it uses it, but if you have options as children it just uses them instead, right? Totally. And yes, yeah. you deal with the fact that like what what do I do if I get both? Like you'd have to handle that. Sure. Either, you know, I have to throw an exception or something. Yeah. But um, you know, for us even more, like we have there's like an interface that you can add to uh, anything, and there's like a trait that you can pull into a model that essentially is just like, this is how to render this model as an error option, right? Mm-hmm. So then in in my controller i can just pass down a collection of models and air just knows how to render those models as options for you right i don't want to like lose that convenience Mm -hmm. having to loop over everyone and render an option option component and pass in the like models key is the the value and then the like label is the label you know like most of the time that just works exactly the way I want it to. Yeah. And so I think, I think that my hope is that we can still provide those conveniences, but yeah, figure out a way to get those like lower, the, that lower level access if you need it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think that's totally like a good approach that there's not really any downsides to that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting, I was just talking about this uh, kind of thing when I was thinking about wh- how I wanted to approach this talk, like uh, another package that we maintain is called Gretel, and it's just like a the breadcrumb package, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, the nice thing is you define your breadcrumbs in your routes. So just as you're defining the route, you define the breadcrumb and then there's just a single blade component that you render that just uh, prints out the breadcrumbs in like one of a million different ui framework styles sure yeah yeah and we do provide like the option to publish a view you know like publish vendor gretel layout.blade.php or what you know whatever it is if you want to override that but we also just like except an argument like a prop on the component that's like use this view to render the breadcrumbs for this particular instance. Yep. And um I feel like there may be some interesting thing there because another thing that Gretel does is it exposes a bunch of functions to your view for handling like the aria attributes and like the active and inactive class names like all that stuff. So like even if you're rendering your own custom view you still get access to those functions yeah and so i was kind of thinking there may be a world and i think this would be easier to do in blade than it would be in react but i think there's maybe a world where like that form group right has a default default view but you could just pass it another you know view name and then It would just render the form group through that, but it would still provide all the like context and, you know, expose a bunch of those helper functions. So you could still, like, if you want to deal with really complex error state logic or, you know, understanding like what's the current bound value for this field and stuff like that, like you still have access to that in your custom view. But again, you'd just be able to, like, for this one spot, like build a custom partial that renders like the form group for that. And you wouldn't have to override the whole form group component. I think there's something interesting there, but I'm not quite sure yet.
1: Yeah. How would that work in terms of like, would you still be responsible for like making sure your template includes the error messages, like outlet and stuff like that? Or
0: I think that, like you would just have full control then, but if you use like if you drop in the error message component inside of your view, like it should still mm-hmm. have the correct context gotcha you know? so
1: that it's almost like a way to basically take like a customized thing that you want to use more than once and like have an easy way to use it more than once like i I yeah, I guess you could just make a component for that too, right like just a blade component
0: you could. The advantage would be, this would essentially be like we're still taking on the responsibility of all the component level logic, right? Mm-hmm. And you're only responsible for rendering the view, right? Like Got it. you get all the props that any sure. form group yep, would get. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. And you can do whatever you want with them. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that that could be a nice way because then if it's like, yeah, I just want to render. In this one place, I have this weird horizontal form that I need to render things like inside a, you know, in a a really strange layout. I'm just going to grab the default view and just tweak it for this one use case. And now I can just do like X form group view equals my view, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would work. So are there any other like when you were when you were playing with these catalyst apis like were there any other aha moments you had around oh i really want this like the or like the way that this api feels is not right like we need to rethink this
1: yeah let me think the yeah the api stuff i'm looking through like the docs right now just trying to see like there were certain things that we debated like originally button actually i think this is actually still the case yeah okay so this is something i didn't even remember like where we landed on but like one of the hard decisions was like deciding like can a button component be a button and a link you know because that's like a common thing you just have a link that looks like a button but it's not actually like a button type button element Mm -hmm. that was something like we wrestled with quite a bit Ultimately, we ended up just having like a button that can take an href prop, you know, and now it it acts as a link, I'm trying to remember if there was like a specific thing that like pushed us over that edge, I think it was probably to do with like when we have avatars, we wanted avatars to be able to be used as buttons and also be used as, as links and you know, we had some some stuff around that where it's like, okay, well, should the avatar just be able to accept like an href prop too? And now the avatar acts as a link. Well, if an avatar can do that, like, why can't a button do that? Whatever we decide should be like sort of consistent, right? You know, and I think there was like a there was no like right or wrong answer for a lot of these things, but they are just like examples of the sort of like API decisions you have to like make decisions around. Yeah, I think like we have like a pagination component that's like exact opposite of probably how any blade pagination <laughs> thing would ever work like, to me that's like a classic example of like you probably just want a bunch of options passed into this thing whereas ours is just elements you know so there's like a pagination wrapper then there's like a pagination previous element which is <laughs> right. the previous button and you can sort of lay them out however you want and a lot of it's kind of weird because it's like well there's only one right structure for this right you know yes yeah. so, yeah. and you're letting people technically make it possible to do the wrong thing because what if they put the next button at the beginning and the previous button at the end you know what i mean
0: and uh well i mean you might want to have the previous and next buttons next to each other and then the list like i think that's yeah, viable yeah but then like does our component actually
1: know to like adjust the spacing to make that right. stuff work and and right. that's actually maybe an interesting topic is just like how we've all the different ways we kind of explored for handling like kind of contextual layouts you know so you have an input with a label with a description like how do you make sure that the right margins are there when the components are present but not when they're not present and, and stuff like that and if you um like for example our input component you can put the description right under the label or you can put it like right under the input itself and the paddings or the margins are a little bit different depending on where you put right. it so it can't just be like the It's not the description component can't just have like empty 2 built into it or whatever right yeah i was so, curious about that like mm-hmm. are you
0: doing that all in css or are the components talking to yeah. each other
1: so we are doing it in css originally our first version of it was using react context so mm-hmm. i don't know like how much react you do pretty familiar sure so you know so basically like i think it'd be like our field component like the wrapper component would basically basically pass down some effectively like readable by any child information that just said okay the label should have these classes the input should have these classes the description should have these classes and you know they would just read from all those contexts and apply the classes correctly and stuff like that and that did generally work but it just kind of felt like
0: so were you like looping over the children to determine that? Like you were just looking at the order of the children? No. Yeah. So that that didn't handle that t- problem, like,
1: like the position of things. It just like made sure that they actually had what they needed. Okay. So that I think was one of the reasons that like pushed us away from from that solution. So what we ended up doing is basically using tailwinds like arbitrary variants from the parent to target the children and there's a lot of like crazy ones in there where it basically says like like you know how in css you have like the um the sibling uh, combinator, Mm -hmm. like the plus right so we have like an arbitrary variant that's like when there's an input plus a description that description should have an mt of this when it's a description plus an input then the description have a margin bottom of this and we do that for like for a ton of different stuff, even like buttons. Like if the button has an icon and the icon is on the left, it should have like this negative margin. If it's on the right, it should have this negative margin.
0: Are you targeting like uh, for lack of a better term, like semantic class names there or just like at, uh, we're, element names? we're targeting data attributes. So oh, okay.
1: There, a lot of the, most of the components in Catalyst that are like meant to be nested in things have what we call this like data slot attribute. Okay. So this was something that I kind of picked up looking at like React ARIA components. Okay. They do a similar thing where they just use the native HTML slot attribute, which is meant for like sort of like shadow DOM web component stuff. Okay. but is a valid attribute on any element and just does oh, nothing outside of the Shadow DOM. So okay. you could just target something that has like a slot of description or a slot of label or whatever, and it would add uh, those styles to it. We went with data slot because we eventually discovered that SVG elements cannot have the slot attribute. That's not a valid attribute okay. on SVGs. And I was like, so do we just make the SVG one use data slot and everything else use slot? Might as well just make it all right. data attributes. So all of our icons have like data slot equals icon. And if you download like our heroicons libraries for React, you'll even see like that's actually like baked in <laughs> to make it as oh, easy yeah. as possible to integrate with Catalyst. <laughs> nice. So that's what we're targeting. We're targeting these like data slot attributes on everything. And like, yeah, using like the the sibling selectors, using like even doing things like, okay, if this is like the first child, then it should be this. If it's like the last child, it should be this. Right. It starts to feel like a lot like, more traditional css type of like <laughs> yes wizardry you know yeah but it, it makes things like very magical and and shockingly effective
0: yeah i can imagine cool it's very resilient too
1: yeah yeah like basically if we can dream up a valid reason why someone would put things in one order or the other we can like make it look good you know yeah and if you want to like escape out of that for whatever reason I can't remember ac- if actually if this survived or not because there's two ways to do it now. At least at one point, we just made like that slot uh, a prop. So okay. if you had an input, you could just like set the pro- set the slot to null, and
0: then okay. if you didn't
1: inherit any of those styles from the parent, oh, sure. then you could just add the styles yourself.
0: Right. Well, doesn't I was going to ask, doesn't targeting data attributes also give it a lower selector precedence, like wouldn't it's the
1: it's the same as a class but because it's okay. coming from the parent i think it's actually like uh is it one higher it's probably yeah it, it mm, i think it's actually well, not yeah. even higher
0: it would be higher specificity right because it's it's like it would because it'd be two classes so it'd be like
1: the class yeah. on the parent then like the yeah. direct child and then like the attribute selector right. so i think that it oh, okay. ends up being like an OO2 or O20 okay. or something yeah. So you do have like some specificity stuff to deal with there, which is why it's nice to be able to like remove that slot or what we actually encourage in the docs is every single like top level wrapper component that defines layout styles and catalysts, like our field component for input fields and select fields, or what's like another wrapper component
0: like table.
1: Uh, I don't think that one works that way. So it's more stuff like, like list boxes and, Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. All of those components have like a corresponding like component in Headless UI. Okay. And Headless UI is like our React library that does all the crazy accessibility stuff, but does no styling. So a lot of the stuff in Catalyst is actually just like a themed version of a headless UI component. And that's ultimately why like we chose to use Headless UI instead of building it with like an existing well instead of using like someone else's React library. Because there are other great headless react UI libraries that actually have more features than headless UI currently does but by using our own library it was like we could like change the library to accommodate catalyst and obviously we we don't do it in a way where like only works for catalyst but it was just like we want to make it easy to build things like catalyst and we want it to be as thin of a layer on top of it as possible Mm -hmm. so um, so yeah, if you're building an input group and you don't want the layout styles at all, you can just import like field from headless UI instead of field from catalyst and you get like the unstyled one and it right. still has all the behavior. It still adds IDs to everything and right. all the right ARIA attributes and everything. But now all of the components inside of it are just gonna be smushed together and you can do like the layout yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's like where we ultimately landed and has worked pretty well it does mean that like the class lists like if you look at like, some of the catalyst stuff in like view source it is a mouthful of uh <laughs> sure of classes for sure especially when you start thinking about dark mode as well and all the different states like the form controls are by far the craziest because you got like disabled states you got focus states you got hover states you got dark mode versions of all those things right you have, like forced colors mode which most people don't even know what it is, but it's like a high contrast mode in windows that is most people just don't design for it. But in our case feels like we kind of have to design for it because it's, um, we're selling code, you know what I mean? So I feel like if we know about something, then it's sort of like, uh, negligent for us to not like (laughs) solve for it,
0: you know? And I, I think that that's the reason, like, I don't know, just for, for me personally, like, Obviously there are a ton of like UI kits out there that use Tailwind nowadays mm-hmm. but generally I always go to Tailwind UI first at least because I like I just expect that all that stuff has been thought about you know like I think Yeah despite whether the fact you know most people are not ever going to be thinking about high contrast mode but just the fact that you have accounted for it just is another reason to be like Oh well, I'm always going to reach for this because I know everything's been thought through.
1: Yeah, and you'll find bugs, I'm sure, but but you'll never. But there's so many bugs you won't find. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. That you won't even realize. Like we had to work around, but yeah, that's kind of like the nice thing about using this sort of thing. When you have people spending like an unreasonable amount of time trying to like work out every dark corner of it, you know, there's edge cases that are solved in there that you don't even realize are there to solve um like i'm just looking at our like list box right now and it's got like a min height on it and i'm like oh man i can't remember why that's needed but uh, <laughs> i guess it's i guess it's needed you know what there's, I,
0: mean? I i just ran into there's like a weird you know when you're when you're dealing with like flex i don't know if this is if that's using flex box or grid but like there's there's a scenario where you need to add a min height to get like the max width stuff in flex to work. I don't know. I just, yeah, I would be surprised.
1: Oh no, yeah. There's all sorts of like hairy, horrible
0: stuff. And so, uh. <laughs> so one thing that like, you know, I, I, I know that there's like an error message component, right? Yep. But like, how do you, how do you go about, like, if I want to, if I want to render sort of a, an entire error state, right? Like, I've got an input, maybe I want some sort of, I want like styling around the component as, st- you know, like a red border around the input itself. Maybe like the the label color is different or there's like a star next to it or, so, you know, some sort of styling around the label. Yeah. Maybe even styling around the whole like group or field or whatever you want to call it as well sure. as showing the help text like yeah 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 have you thought through keeping that stuff in sync or is that just something that you just have to deal yeah, with? yeah
1: we did think about that right now we don't we just kind of say like okay well like the input has an invalid prop and you can just set that yourself you know by mm-hmm. just like checking wherever your errors are and seeing if an error is present and then same for like rendering the error message you can just check does it have an error for this one okay then render the error message mm-hmm and if 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 our styles were any more complicated than that, I think I would have been pushed a lot harder to try and like just be able to set like an invalid on like the whole field on the field and then itself. have that be like red. And I think uh, I I'm remembering now that that literally did exist at one point because that's how our disabled states work for sort of okay. the same reason. So when you disable like an input in Catalyst, we also like reduce the opacity on the label, right? And to have to do that in both places or even on like the description it was like uh that's kind of annoying it'd be nice if you could just set like disabled on the field and there was like some sort of prior art for this too because the html field set element works this way you can like disable a field set and everything inside of it gets disabled so our disabled styles work that way already and we could definitely make the invalid styles work that way too so on a field you just could have invalid and then whatever the condition is that says whether it's invalid or not. And that would be like inherited by all the children. The thing that was like a sticking point for us that we couldn't make a decision on was the error message. Should you just always render the error message permanently, but like its visibility is controlled by like whether the parent has like invalid, true or not, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's, that's tricky.
1: Yeah. Unless you can name it in a way where like you kind of suggested earlier, it's almost like an error, an error,
0: error slot. Yeah. You know, it's like, like,
1: that. it's like a, a place where it might go if needed, you know, but <laughs> right. you have to like name it in a way that communicates that. Cause if it's just like error message, it feels like it's there. You know what I mean? Right.
0: Yeah. I, I don't really, from like an API perspective, I don't, I don't really see a problem with saying like field invalid and then like like field invalid equals error, right? Whatever, you know, like yeah. then in- valid state. Yeah. And then you just have like, you just conditionally render the error message yeah. if error is set yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's a cool idea. Like I'm thinking about some of the details, like one potential tricky thing is like, well, if you haven't set invalid on it and you have an error message, does that mean you want the error message to definitely render? I think it right. probably means you do. So it's almost like if invalid is undefined, well, then the error message is rendering unconditionally but if it's set to false explicitly false then you can hide uh, the error message you know stuff, oh that's interesting yeah that would like be cool that. Yeah. yeah so yeah i think that's like a good example of a simplification that could be made to the api that i think would be like fairly safe cuz it kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier where it's like you could still that still decomposes into like the individual invalid stuff if you if you don't want the label to be read in this case for some reason just like don't put invalid on the field and instead put it on the input and the error message and right. don't put it on the label you know right they both have that prop as well yeah if you just want to go, do go down with, one level yeah, you know yeah. and like handle it a bit more manually yeah so i think that would
0: I, be a cool improvement that's definitely something that i've been i've been trying to think through is just like to what degree because we don't trying to think this through you know right now it there's really only one level of like nesting right there's like the form component and then there's all the elements inside the form and each yeah. element is aware of the current like the form that's being rendered in because you know we also do like value binding so i can just like pass in an array of values to the form And now if you have an input that has the same name, like that value is bound, right? And um, like the same with the Alpine stuff, like you could just say like as Alpine component and then it's going to watch all the individual elements that you render inside the form. And once the form has closed, it's going to take all those elements and create like a default Alpine state for you out of the box, right? Some nice convenient stuff like that. And so there's like a little bit, of cross-communication between the the individual inputs and the form. And I can see a world where like, if you had that like third level of nesting or a third level of like abstraction where those form groups, for lack of better term, you can go down to the to the individual component level. Like I can see an argument for just like saying, okay, well, when I'm rendering a form group, like each individual component phones home to the parent form group that it's being rendered in. And -hmm. you just like kind of make decisions based on that. Cause then you could just say, okay, like if I have a field with like an error message in it, like just implicitly set the, the invalid state to true unless I've explicitly said, you know, and like I can see how you could argue that that's, that's like a little too magical in some places, but I, I don't yeah. know my preference is like make it yeah make it a lot of a lot of stuff default.
1: works that way in not really in catalyst itself but in headless ui because that's kind of like a pattern that you're sort of forced to do in react a lot a lot of the time but the uh the thing that's unfortunate about it at least in react is the only way to do that means like the component has to render and then the child talks to the parent changes something in the parent and then everything re-renders again and now now it's in the correct state so that means like your server side rendered html is like not right
0: always wrong oh that sucks
1: really annoying yeah so we try to like avoid that for things that feel like quite important i i even in that situation it's probably fine you know you have like your aria invalid states and stuff that need to be on things but by the time a screen reader Sees it. I'm sure it's right,
0: you know, right.
1: But it's still like, is a little bit just like. Uh, I just wish it was just right from the beginning, <laughs> right? You know? Right. Yeah. Could, it's like it's like race conditions everywhere. Is kind of well, like what React development is when it comes well, to those yeah, patterns.
0: Sure. Oh my god, yeah. yes. I I I was tinkering with a. I, I haven't written much React in a little while. I was tinkering with something in React, and it's like because of the nature of of what i'm i'm implementing it's just like use effects everywhere that are all like dependent like it it's the it's all the bad things right it's a million use refs and use effects that are all like sort of (laughs) trying to synchronize with with uh stuff that isn't meant to be used with react you know so it's just like trying to force it to work in that context and it is a it just the state synchronization and like race condition stuff is a yeah. nightmare to deal with. But I was gonna say like for catalyst, if you had, let me think about this. You if you had like if you own the the form input component, right? Yep. You could render each child first and then pass all of those children into the parent after they've been rendered. And I don't know if that would work, right? But couldn't she just do, like, you know, let label equals label, right? Yeah. Let input equals input and let error message equals error message, right? And then once you have those three, you know, those three objects in memory in your parent component, then you pass those three into the form group component and somehow like at that moment, pull out the data that you need. I I don't know.
1: Yeah, like the specifics of it is like, imagine you're saying, I want the presence of the error message to dictate whether the input component that's right before it, it's sibling has like aria invalid equals true on it, right? Right. So the way it has to work right now is, yeah, you render the whole, you render the field, which renders its children, which has an error message. The error message has a use effect that's like, okay, use that some shared context to basically say, hey, parent, I exist. Therefore, this is invalid. And then the parent's like, oh, I better like tell everyone that this whole thing's invalid. And then the input's like, Oh, thanks for telling me. I'm invalid. I'll update and be invalid. But it, like, can't know until it's like actually like running
0: on the page. You know, is well. I guess I'm just like I don't know how React renders those. If I if I were to create like when I create a component. I guess it's not rendered until even if I if I like instantiate it, it's just it's it's just like yeah. the function. It's not rendered
1: until it's yeah. actually like yeah in the tree, right. you know, and things are actually talking to each other, and then right, yeah, and, and yeah, right. So
0: even then, it's the same.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tricky. I think I've heard them talk about different people and sort of like the React team. I've seen mention exploring this problem of basically trying to make it more possible for children to talk to parents sort of in the same, yeah, like render sort of pass, which would be really cool, but I haven't seen any progress on it,
0: but Hmm. yeah, that's, that's something that like, there are ways to hack that with blade. And I know, uh, I know there have been a couple of attempts to like figure this out, like get a better API into the framework, Mm -hmm. but it's, that's something that's, that's not, it's, it's more doable because you can kind of like the children get rendered first before the parent in blade. So like you can set some sort of global state or like hook up some sort of like global, global hook to be like, when I start rendering a form, then I like set a static property on the form to be like, this is the current form that's being rendered and then when a child renders you like call that static method on the form and say hey give me the current form that's being rendered and then i can pass things to it like there are ways to to do it or like just share some sort of global view state but it's it's awkward it's it's a thing that i think especially if you're building like more frameworky type ui You want it all the time and there's not a great way to do it Mm -hmm. yet, but it's tricky for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, that was, that was really the big thing. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, you know, that we, that, that I've been trying to figure out that I know you've been thinking about, but I think, I think that that was the big one. And I I think you've definitely convinced me that at the very least you need those lower, lower level components. And then like maybe yeah, you can build
1: abstractions on top of them basically. Yeah.
0: I think the abstractions on top feel right to me, at least, at least for what we have, you know? Yeah, for sure. uh, Yeah. This has been really interesting. Cool, man. Yeah. It's been fun. Well, thank you. Uh, was there, is there anything else you that comes to mind
1: for you? Uh, no, I think like we talked about a lot of the kind of the the most interesting bits so far, you know, always looking for new ideas though, and looking forward to seeing what's possible with certain things. You know what, one thing actually, that was a major thing we wrestled with was trying to think of the exact situation. There was a lot of situations where I'm trying to, I can't even remember what the solution was before we went all in on this but there's this new css pseudo class called has that lets you basically style yep. a parent based on what contents it has and we kept running into situations where like we felt like oh, this would like make our lives so much easier <laughs> yeah and because um, we we're doing things in javascript instead and i can't even remember some of the things that we were doing honestly I'm sure if I just look through the code base for like uses of it, it'd be straightforward, but there's a lot of it. Well, I can imagine,
0: uh, I mean, all of this like parent, child conditional styles, mm -hmm. like you're going to bump into that all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think specifically one was like, we have like a list of checkboxes and checkboxes can like optionally each have a description under the label. And when we had like a list of checkboxes and any of them had a description, we wanted a bit more space between them. Yes. Yeah. But, if there's no descriptions and it's just like a list of like very simple checkboxes, then we wanted the spacing a bit tighter. And that was like quite painful to solve with like, for just from a, by trying to do it with pure API decision-making and, or just trying to do it with JavaScript, but using has, it was just like, well, if the checkbox list has any descriptions in it, then we want to use this spacing. You know, it's oh like, God, so that's so, so nice. easy, Yeah. But at the time, like, I mean, has is extremely new. But yeah, it's the place where it was missing support was in Firefox and it landed in Firefox like the day before we released Catalyst. (laughs) (laughs) So we just decided to go all in on it and just, just sort of under the impression of like, okay, we know we have a lot more work to do on Catalyst. We know it's kind of like a development preview. Any, anyone building with it right now is the very much like an early adopter and is just like hacking on side projects with it. It's not like the next, uh gmail is going to be built with this in the next like (laughs) six months or whatever and be ubiquitously used by everyone by the time anyone builds anything that has like a big user base like has support is not going to be something that anyone like is concerned about
0: you know Uh uh-huh
1: so we just kind of felt like let's just like think in the future a little bit and um not like write a bunch of code that like six months from now we're going to tell ourselves like none of this stuff matters anymore now we have all this cruft in here why don't we just do it this way in the first place so we very much leaned into like some of that really modern uh, css stuff to solve a lot of those problems has is like life-changing
0: it is so good (laughs) that's such a nice oh we we have like a drop down component that has to deal with this and we're dealing, I can't remember how we're dealing with it, but it's like, you know, if any item in the dropdown has a icon, then any other element, even if it doesn't have an icon, needs to get like, a you know, put the text pushed over to account for the icons. Yeah, right? totally. And I remember this being a nightmare. that I can't remember how we solved it, but it was a nightmare to deal with just because it's like, you just don't know in the parent, or you know getting that awareness into into the right places was was definitely a a challenge and i yeah i mean has just makes that trivial yeah it's crazy how trivial makes that
1: stuff it's the best
0: the other one so you know i i come from very old school web development and i definitely am still you know catching up to things in some in some ways or and and we also our our organization caters to a pretty old audience so like we're always dealing with browser support issues that other people don't necessarily deal with but i you know in our like switch from bootstrap to tailwind we basically had to do a bunch of like we had to pull out the tailwind reset and do all of that inside of like a custom class, and then anywhere we wanted to use Tailwind, you had to wrap that in a div that was like class Tailwind, so that mm-hmm. you know we we weren't fight the two different styles resets weren't fighting with each other, and there are a, a, a bunch of other things like that. But we also just had a bunch of, you know, we had hundreds of thousands of lines of code that were assuming that like a header had padding on it, right, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the full reset was really tricky. And what we've just started to play with is just like using the not selector to mm-hmm. just say if there's no class defined on an element, then we give it some default styles. Yeah. But yeah, as soon that's as you cool add idea. any class, you just take like basically adding a class is just, just taking adding, full control. Even like
1: adding the class attribute, like the presence yeah. of the class attribute, basically. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And that has been. I, I'm a, I'm trying to be a little cautious with it because it feels like it, it's the type of thing that's clever enough that it might bite you. you know? yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The more like it makes you smile, the worse of an idea it usually <laughs> yes. is. You know, <laughs> but
0: it is really nice to just be like, if I have an alert, right? We have an alert class and a like alert red, right? And it's just yeah, that sets the default styling for the div, right? And I just want anchor tags inside of the alerts to match the color of the alert itself, right? And even when it was back in bootstrap, it was like you'd do alert, alert red, and then your all your links you would do like class alert link or whatever, yep. right? And that yep. was And that felt bad to me too, you know. And so now we just have if you put a plain anchor tag inside of an alert, it gets the color of the parent alert. But if I add a class, I have full control to do whatever the heck I want with it. And that feels great. And I can see that being useful, even in some of the form stuff, like, you know, essentially just you provide those default styles. But like, if if they start adding their own, if you start adding your own class names to any of the components, you could just take full control over them potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we've been going for an hour. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. This has been uh, this has been really fun, and I feel like I have a good sense of direction now. I really appreciate cool, it. Cool, man.
1: Yeah, I am glad it was helpful.
0: All right. Well, is there, uh, is there anything that your that Tailwind is is coming out with soon that you are excited about? You want to talk talk about before we go or a tease?
1: Yeah, I mean, right now we're working on Tailwind 4, whatever that means. So we're exploring sure. kind of R&Ding a bunch of stuff with modern CSS features that will simplify a lot of internals and how some things work. And yeah, so that's been kind of a fun experiment, but only started on it on Monday, you know, so sure. <laughs> very, uh, very early. But uh, that's what we're kind of working on right now. Hopefully have something cool out in the next couple of months, like an alpha or something. With like a proper release probably more like in the summer that's exciting but, uh yeah yeah that's kind of like what we're working on right now so it's 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 definitely fun to get back into the framework space and out of the ui component space for a little sure. bit.
0: sure yeah work some different muscles nice well i am looking forward to that um all right well thanks again i'm gonna, I'm gonna hit the ultra button and then we'll uh we'll call it sounds good